welcome to Mutual Victory. Friends, this is Matt. This is Jeannie. It's been a while again. Summer. Yeah. It's not a bad thing, though. Remember when you were like, we're not busy? It's not been, like, super crazy busy. It's been a little bit more funning busy. Yeah, it's just still busy. It's like, we can't do it this day because we have this. We can't do it this day because we have this. So it's like, funning busy is still good, but it's just like, there's something every day. This is true. Which I guess in the summertime is a good thing. So what are we here to talk about? What's the topic of the week or the bi-weekly? Two-player board games. I was waiting for you to respond, but you were oh. like... <laughs> Two-player board games. And we talked about games in general, you know, a long time ago. And since like a lot of what we talk about is through the ve- the, the, the lens of relationship right it's like not just gaming as a hobby as something fun but like today it's more intentional of like something to do with your partner is that right yeah well and i think like we um we don't have the children around all the time like we used to yeah and so i would say even more so our board gaming is focused on two people and there are some games that um I would even include on my two-player list that aren't officially two-player games, and I prefer to play them with only two players. Yeah, I was thinking about that, too. I wasn't in my kind of list. A lot of these are four-player games or more than two players, but they play really well with two players, Mm -hmm. which sometimes is hard. Like, if you have a game that's like one to five, sometimes the sweet spot is three or four, you know what I mean? And with two people... There's, there's some times can be a little bit lacking. Well, and there are some board games that you're not supposed to play with two players. Like, like you need at least three. You have to have a ghost player when you do that. Yeah, we have like Seven Wonders. Right. You can play it with two people, but it's not great. You need it like at least three to make it kind of work. Right. And, and then it, the games, like some family games that we've played or mentioned before, like Dixit. You can't play that yeah. with two people. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It's kind of <laughs> silly with even three people. Yeah, that's the one. Um, I mean, but at least it's pl- like you cannot play Dixit with two people. cannot play Mysterium with it, two people. Right, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's definitely, it sets games apart when mm. like, first of all, it makes sense to play with them with two people or it is how the game is designed. And then also like... It's just a more fun game to play when right. there are only two people. And a lot depends on gameplay, because I can think of like Ticket to Ride, right? where you can play up to five. Hate it. And you hate it because the board gets tight. I don't there's hate m- the game. I don't like playing with that many players. There's more competition. then it gets more, yeah, cutthroat. Yeah, there's more competition for space with more people. And with two players, there seems to be much more room to do anything like you can go about doing your strategy your thing and virtually not run into your opponent right like you can which i mean is nice but also a little competition is fun too Mm -hmm. now like what's the real why like why do we why is this something we feel important enough to take an hour of our day to talk into two microphones about to whoever's Mm -hmm. listening I mean, there's so many there's there's so many selling points of playing board games as a couple, and I, mean, I think it's a great first date activity. Mm-hmm. Play a really competitive game. Let's just see who you are in the in that Ooh. list. <laughs> yeah, I think that you learn a lot about 
each other when you play board games. Um, things that might be nuanced. Board games are good for your brain. Neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity. Yeah. Helps with like big picture thinking, critical thinking, problem solving. Like, you know, I I would be a strong advocate for like all of ninth grade to just be board games. Like they don't need to really do anything else in ninth grade. Seriously. They can do board games and then outside projects. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I am with you 100%. I think games are essential for like develop brain development, education, um, social emotional learning, mm-hmm. which I think is the most important piece. I think, yeah. because I was thinking about this when I was driving home today, where as my time as a teacher, you know, if you said, okay, guys, we're playing a game today. You know, you can feel the electricity in the room. It's like, sweet. Right. Not doing boring school stuff. We're going to have fun to play a game. Or if you're like reviewing for a test or something. There's that excitement, which I think is both not doing boring school stuff and the genuine like fun of a game. But there's also that other side where it's like, there's always the handful of kids that are super competitive. Like, yeah, we're going to bury you and we're going to win, which I think is something else to experience, learn, deal with. Like for anyone who says, quote unquote, I'm a competitor. Right. All I hear is you're saying I'm an asshole. Wow. <laughs> because what it usually means, it doesn't mean like I want to play the game hard and I'm going to play it the best of my ability. And then when it's over, it's like, that's a good game. Yeah. I didn't win, this, but this was a lot of fun. Yep. It turns into, that's my excuse to be like, act like a jerk while I play and to be pissed off and annoyed and act like a jerk. After it's over. If it doesn't go the way that they want it right. to go. It just yeah. means it, it, and maybe that's not fair to say to everyone who says that they're a competitor, that they're an asshole, but usually that label's thrown around sore losers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think kids need to experience being losers. <laughs> or like, that's you know, amazing. like losing at something that you really wanted to win. Yeah. And, and if, the, it's not the end of the freaking world to lose a board game. Like, if you're gonna lose your shit at about a board game, right? Like you gotta flip, pull it together because gonna, there's gonna be some much more heavy hitting scenarios in your life. If you're gonna flip the table over the cardboard and plastic you're pushing around right. the table, then maybe we need to maybe yeah. we need to learn how to appropriately socially and emotionally handle this. Yeah, I like the social emotional learning part too because I think that one of the things that is created when board games are unfolding is there are times where it is your turn and there are times where it is not your turn. Mm, yeah. And who you are, arguably who you be, when it is not your turn is very telling mm, yeah. about what part of your life you're in, where you are as far as self-awareness. Like they're, you know, just playing with playing board games with the kids through the years and watching them in different stages of development mm as adolescents moving through. It's like, it's really hard for a nine or a 10 year old to sit while it's somebody else's turn, let alone for somebody else's (laughs) that need to go before it's their turn again. And so what are they doing? Are they helping? Are Mm. they encouraging? Are they bored? Are they annoyed? Are they distracted? Are they leaving the room? Like what is somebody doing when it is not their turn? Yeah. Are they strategizing? Like that doesn't typically come into play until 
later on yeah. in in social emotional like, awareness and development. We need to have freshman year be turn taking because for some reason we thought sight words was really imperative when <laughs> someone's four years old. They need to learn these words. Eh, maybe they should learn to not be a dick. That's what mm-hmm, they should learn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What you're saying is interesting. I think as far as competitive games where you're playing against other opponents. Yep. Uh, I think it's also an interesting to think about that from a cooperative game mm-hmm. where there are often turns in a co-op game. Yep. What are you doing when it's not your turn? Are you giving someone else time to be in that game and then their turn and to think and say what they want to do? Or are you the bossy boss and be like, mm-hmm. you should do this do or this. you're just going to do this. And then how yeah. do how do you handle that? I mean, that's a whole other level. It's like, how do you work as a team? Yeah. Which is as important as how do you work, um, in friendly, in, in competition, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And just, you know, general, generally speaking, we culturally have attention dispersion. Mm. I don't think it's deficit. I think it is dispersion. No, I don't think it's deficit either. Like, it's like... It's it's very egocentric for a teacher to be like, you have attention deficit. Right. I'm sensing a deficit in attention. I'm like, like Everybody mm. has plenty of attention. Yeah, it's just, it's not- just spread out over all these different things. And it is a very clear indicator of what you care the most about. So if you're showing up to play a board game and you're not fully present and invested in what's going on, then it will be hard to stay focused. You will be distracted. Your attention will be pulled elsewhere. And so can you, like, is that just going to be a, oh, well, I get distracted, Mm, you know, or are you able to use that as an opportunity to be like, oh, I'm going to keep coming back to focusing in on what my collective group is doing and how we're interacting in this game and keep like flex, you know, uh, strengthening those muscles of like, come back, pay attention, come back, pay attention. It's so funny. I we're saying like games in schools for social emotional learning. (laughs) I can already see the IEP that's being written about someone who, Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when it's not their turn, they're free to leave the table. Right. And be like, that would be a th- that would be that's the thing that would happen if games were taught in schools. You would let a kid not learn what it's actually there to teach them, right? And I think that like this is the the ultimate issue. I don't think is IEPs and how they're written. I think that the <laughs> ultimate issue is the structure of if you're not doing X, Y, and Z, there is a punishment rather than a conversation and an understanding that like, this is why we have to practice this. You're not going to get penalized for not doing X, Y, and Z. And you're also not exempt from practicing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's about making a punishment. It's about not opting out of something that's difficult for you to do right now, because all you're doing is then you're just enabling them and allowing them and teaching them. Like when things are difficult, I have an out and that's just because of who I am or whatever, instead of like practicing the skill. Like I was always thought like, You know, I would, if you're a baseball player and I was a coach of baseball, a baseball team for many years, if you can't hit a curveball, you can't say to the other team, please don't throw me a curveball. I'm not good at them. And I wouldn't be like, okay, I'm just going to throw you fastballs so you feel good about yourself. And that's it. Like, yeah, I'll do that to build some confidence, but you also need to work on some things. You just need to get better. Like you need to struggle against something and improve. Right. And yes, taking that out of school as has not helped you are absolutely right and i don't like i understand what your perspective is on like again exactly what i just said you're not exempt from attempting to learn this skill 
which sometimes, and, you know, just for the official record here, uh, you know, we had children with IEPs. We worked with students with IEPs. Like, this is just to give you a little, anybody who's listening, a little bit of background. Oh, there was always probably 85% of an IEP that was genuine and in good intention and was helpful. There was always 10 to 15% like, this is bullshit. Well, here's my argument. Okay. An IEP would not be necessary mm. if we were not basing somebody's intelligence, value, um, level of learning on the same scale for everybody across the board. And that if you're unable to sit and take a three-hour exam and do well at it, then you go into this other category. So if we take this punitive, penalizing structure out of the school system and it becomes, yep, this is a hard thing for you to do. You won't be penalized if you can't do it, and you're still going to keep plugging away at mm-hmm. learning this skill. Yeah, um, because the, the the yardstick or the measurement stick with which we measure educational right. gains is uniform. It's uniform. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know, and um, I just look like if I had a magic wand too, not only would board games be a part of uh, every ninth grade curriculum pretty much all day long. Or yard games, outdoor games, mm. like um, team building, problem solving exercises, that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> I think in many ways, classrooms would be uh, designed um, not based on reading level, not based on, you know, where you are necessarily academically, but a student's dosha. <laughs> oh, and, that's cool. Um, and it's like, yep, you're gonna, you are actually in the Vata classroom. Mm. You are in the Vata classroom. Everything about this classroom is going to be grounding for mm. you. The environment that you're in is gonna be grounding for you. There isn't gonna be white noise, buzzing lights, cold colors. Like we're yeah. going to, and then on top of that, there's gonna be vigorous movement in the morning. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we'll move through the day based on how we can mm. serve that constitution in a learning environment. Oh, I like that. Um, that's so good. that's my, that's my soapbox like that. around. Uh, oh, I would, I added, I would add third and fourth grade. You, we would just be RPGs. We just play d Just role playing games all day long. Maybe not d yep. but other like themes, but definitely just RPG. Just RPGs. Yeah. It makes total that's the sense. Only way. If I ever set foot into school, mm. if I ever set foot to teach again, there would be, I would be like, uh, I have to be able to teach through and around games for a majority of it. Yep. There's value in reading. There's value in learning to write. I would argue you don't really are taught those skills, maybe, like, until high school. High school, 10th grade, then, like, okay, you can actually comprehend what you're reading and how to write. Yeah. Maybe not reading. Maybe you're, like, I don't know, something about reading, but still, like, that shit, but... RPGs, man. RPGs all the way. Well, right. I mean, do you know how much reading is taught doing an RPG? Yeah, totally. Holy. Yep. Lots I, of, uh, yeah, especially if, I mean, that could be a, it's always a great buy-in where it's like you want to learn more about the world we're in or like how to prove your character or suddenly the reading takes on a different feel and is not hard. I mean, mm-hmm. like, or maybe it is. And then, but you're willing to persevere because you're reading about how to make your rogue elf more stealthy instead of i don't know some anything else that's probably important but boring to a 10 year old well and not going they're not going to retain those details anyway you know um 
I mean, it's interesting because we, we got on the tangent of talking about how to bring board games into schools and like the way that things would shift if that was a possibility. And because it's not, I think that playing board games is, you know, a very valid way to create some of those same kind of scenarios in work environments as well. Oh yeah. And, um, you know, I think about the time there were a couple of times when we were, um, you know, working at FLSM that we had like board game playing like fun time together after work. Oh, yeah. And you learn so much about each other as employees, uh, as coworker, as, as team members, when you get a group of adults together and you play. Well, it's game. funny. I'm thinking about like, always the first few in-service days before school year. And they were always like, meetings, 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 yep, terrible. Yep. And then, oh, here's the um, hour and a half you get on the last day before the first day of school to get your shit done. Instead of that, there should be one day where you are four different rooms with four different groups of people in, it wouldn't be district-wide. Like, we worked at a high school, so right, it'd be the high school, like, building-wise. Yeah. Four rooms, four games, four random groups of adults. Mm-hmm. You would, I would learn, I would learn everything I would ever need to know yep. about any adult in that building yep. playing a game with them with them for about an hour. And and if you, you know, if like those of you that are listening to this, if you have the experience in your work life where you're where you're doing a project with a group of people, or even just like one other person. And you don't know this person or how they work really well. Mm. And if you would like to work out some of those kinks before they come out in like <laughs> frustration and irritation as you're trying to get something done at a deadline, play a board game together. <laughs> play a board. It's just as important as like a brainstorming session because you're going to learn really quickly if you're aware and you go into it with this intention mm-hmm. Of like, oh, okay, this is how I do a cooperative, specifically, oh, board cooperative game, game. Yeah. with someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, Even better, like, have no one there to teach them the game. They right. They would have to learn this. Like, they would have, have to, to open the, the box, together. learn it themselves. Yep. Or with each other, and then execute. Yeah. yeah. Which is exactly, you know, my opinion, again. Um, why I think that playing board games, two-player board games, as a couple is very, very important. I think it's important for um, just creating space that isn't about anything else. I think it's important because it kind of takes you out of the mundane that you can slip into as a couple where like you do the things and I do the things and then we do the things together and the to-do list and that kind of stuff. And it's just like, let's spend 40 minutes. It Mm. doesn't even have to be like long and epic. And sometimes that's fun too. Um, Where you step outside of the grind of tasks and you just enjoy this really lighthearted, fun thing. And at the same time, you get to learn a lot about each other in the example that you were just giving about like you have to learn the board games um you know we've learned very quickly that we uh learn board games very differently <laughs> yes one of them learns and remembers the rules the other one i remember the rules. interprets mm. throughout mm-hmm. time Mm-mm. and each rule is subject to a reinterpretation half accurate <laughs> accurate <laughs> accurate 
Uh, you learn the board games because I would be like, wing it. We'll look stuff up as we go along, which would make Matt crazy. So again, we know this about each other and we proceed accordingly. Matt learns the game and teaches me the game. And usually once I learn the game, mm-hmm. I retain the rules. Yeah. I might even retain the rules better than you do. Unless I don't like them. I was that pause was a trying to think of a response. I came up with nothing. <laughs> you may return the rules. I think you think you do. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, no, no. Because you'll be like, is that true? What are we supposed to do in this case? And I'm right. like, I'm pretty sure it's this. Yes. And I definitely admit that I am pretty sure. I'm not saying I'm 100% positive. Yeah. And then you look it up. And I'm right. I think it's 60-40. 60, mm-hmm. that you it's remember the rule. Definitely act- like 75-25. 60-40, you remember it as it is, and I am proven that you remembered. 40%, you pulled it out of thin air. And I was right. No, actually, there's probably 10% of actually making it up and pulling it out of nowhere. <laughs> and the, being right. The rest, No. <laughs> the rest of it is, it was a good guess, and you were close. Mm. Yep. But there's that 10% where like, you just, you literally just made this up. Mm-hmm. Actually, more often than not, you just pull it from a different game. So it's like we can be playing a game with a similar either theme or rules. Oh, right. And, and you're like, say, no, oh, we, we do that in this game. Don't we do this here? And I'm like, that's not even close to true. But like, oh, you, I, then I piece it together and see. Well, in my world, my record is much better than the one that you're claiming. I know. Um, All right. So, so go ahead. Give me, I don't, I have a random assortment. Um, you go first. Tell me, hit me with one of yours. One of my favorite games to play, just the two of us. Yeah. Splendor. Oh, okay. I, that made my list too. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Splendor is a four player. You can play up to four, but it works really well with two. And Splendor is one of the games that I actually don't enjoy when it's mm. lots of people. Yeah. It's It seems like there's much more like prohibitive movement. And I think, so one of the things that's important... So before we go further, Splendor, let's describe this game a little bit. Okay. This is a, I guess we call it a set collecting game, where the goal is to collect certain sets of cards that in this case are gems. Right. They represent like gem mines. Yeah. So there's like rubies, there's emeralds, there's onyx, there's sapphires. Mm -hmm. And over your turns, you are gathering resources to... Purchase, purchase mines. these cards, yep. and then you acquire a certain amount of a certain type. Once so, you yeah. have a, a mine, depending on how big, how expensive, how you know productive that mine mm. is, it will continuously give you X number of gems. So I guess like, it's also an engine builder. It is. But like as the game goes on, you have more. Resources. You acquire cards that allow you to do more mm-hmm. throughout the game. Yeah. So yeah. you start off by having actual gem tokens that you use to purchase things. Then if you have a card with that color gem on it, it's like you make it all the time. Like yeah. you have a permanent one. So then like you just keep adding as the game goes and you like have more to spend essentially. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is like we've mentioned this before, I think. Um, and it's worth mentioning again that like the board games that we play, the Europe, like they're European board games. Typically when you're playing the game, you don't know what your score is. Like, yeah, and, it, it. and it can shift and change kind of rapidly if you do on the cases that mm. you do. 
And then there are usually like scenarios where there's bonuses at the end or other things that contribute to your score. So you're not just moving pawns around a track where like it's yeah. very obviously clear who's in first, right. who's losing, like, who's winning, you know, like it, it's not set up in that way. Yeah, that's a, a meritrash. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't come up with this term. I know. But like, you know, things like Monopoly or Risk where it right. is very clear who is winning yep. and who is losing. Direct And direct head-to-head -head competition. And Euro games quality is indirect competition where you and also you don't know who's winning as the game is going mm -hmm. i mean you can kind of have an idea but like there's so many other variables that happen right where it's still really up in the air yeah. so everyone's involved and in, in the game as it's going on yes and the other thing about splendor specifically is i would put it in the category of a coffee game so once you learn the game and yeah. know the game we have like coffee games that just don't take a whole lot. They don't take a whole lot to set up. Yep. And they don't take a whole lot to move through the, you know, mechanics of the game as far as yeah. higher level thinking. Mechanics are simple. And more importantly, your choice yeah. on your turn is limited. You have it's like limited. one of two things yep. to do. Yeah. You can't do like eight steps, flip over six cards, have right. an epic turn it doesn't that take goes up a lot forever. of space right yeah. it's not like a gigantic game yeah yep. good coffee game good coffee game hey check out our website for pictures and the, the instagram and in the gram i will probably put i will definitely put pictures of uh all these i'm not going to put links because the only link i could find is probably amazon and find your friendly local hood board game store support them all right my i guess number one these aren't ranked at all yeah i didn't rank mine. yeah uh, Baron Park. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, that's a new one we just got a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Um, mainly because this woman I follow on TikTok was talking about it, and her little video was like titled "Games That Won't Blow Away in the Wind." <laughs> so, like, if you want to sit outside on a picnic table and play this game, you know there aren't like rows and rows of cards that are going to blow all over all over the place if it's slightly windy. Baron Park. The great, I love this theme. It's you're basically building a bear zoo. Yeah, it's like you're building a zoo for bears. You're building a zoo and for like, bears, and you're you're buying tiles that are shaped sort of like Tetris pieces, mm -hmm. and you're laying them on your board in certain directions. And when you cover a certain, there are certain icons on your board, and if you your piece covers one, then you can choose different tiles to add to like your supply mm -hmm. for your next turn, and you know, the strategy is like, which area do I want to cover? Which piece do I want to buy? How many more of these are left? So again, like the choices are pretty simple. Like you, you basically place a tile you have on your board and then you choose a tile from the main supply board to take for next turn. Yeah. It's very, um, simple in the sense that you, again, like exactly what we were saying about Splendor, you don't have like 95 options of right. things to do. Probably a coffee game could be a coffee game i think it's a pub game we've definitely played it yeah at the pub on a table outside which is one of you know the kind of date night things that we have done throughout mm. the years is go to a venue anything from restaurant even kind of fancy <laughs> ones <laughs> well it works to best for like breweries because yeah. they have usually like outdoor outdoor seating, seating picnic table like 
Um, but we do often bring board games with us when we go out. Uh, yeah. And artwork is super cute. Oh, it's so cute. Rules. It's like I get excited sometimes when the rules is just like a three page like pamphlet, like mm-hmm. that's folded over a few times and not like this whole book I have to read. Very simple. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that was a new one that I discovered and I'm glad I got because that one's a lot of fun. But also, this is a, I think you can play up to four, but I don't, we haven't played it with more than two. Works yeah. really well with two. Might be a little bit more. Scores might not be as high if a three or four player game, but it doesn't feel like it would be as like tight or would you be as squeezed on your turns. Right. There's still enough options. It feels like you can do everything you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, not like Agricola where it's like, good God, I have two turns and I can barely feed my family. <laughs> <laughs> it's way less intense. Yeah. Um, it's not intense at all. Yeah. It's a light game. And you know, we love bears around here. Yeah. They're so cute. Super fun. Um, and so, you know how it is important to me when the theme makes me happy. I know. It's funny, like, if you just look at all these games, I think there was, like, two or three that I've purchased recently that's basically, like, choose this shape and put it on your board mm-hmm. and choose another shape later and put it, like, Tetris. It's basically versions of Tetris that are themed differently. Yeah. Which is funny. But they're all fun and easy to play. And again, it's a good coffee or a pub game. Very good for two people. More relaxed than Tetris. Yeah. I mean, they're really only like right. Tetris yeah. in the I mean, shapes this is, scenario. Like Tetris, if like your pieces you would have to catch were falling from the sky above you. Like, shit, I need that one. Very slowly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what do you got? Okay, so this isn't, you know, technically a two-person game okay. in this in the sense that more people can play it uh-huh. but i do love playing suburbia just the two of oh us. yeah okay i love suburbia uh it is a little bit bigger it's a little bit heavier it takes some time to set up you know you're building out uh, yeah. a little town right this is a uh, tile purchasing game tile purchasing the and then like mm, settlement building yeah you're creating your own little suburbia yeah so basically yeah you have your own area and you're purchasing tiles that are businesses residences power company yeah you know it's like yeah and you put them on your board and you get points um yeah and the theme is you're like building your own little town it reminds me a little bit of sim city when SimCity was like yeah. way back in the day yep. and it wasn't about like the people at all. Yes. It was like you were just building a city. Like OG SimCity. I remember playing yeah. it on like Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo SimCity. Like, yeah. So this is the, what, analog version yeah. of that? Analog version of the original SimCity. Of the original SimCity. And it, yeah, it's fun. Like you get to figure out like, oh, does it make sense to put a park here? Does it make sense to put a lake here? Yeah. because Then you, that gets you more points or you lose points because you right. put like a, you know, a if dump you, next to housing development. Right. Or if you put an <laughs> airport next to the housing development, right. you'll get income, but yep. you may lose points. Yeah. It's you know? it's really cool. I, it's I cool, love yeah. that game. Um, Again, less head-to-head competition. Even though we're choosing from the same row of tiles. No idea when playing that game who is winning. Yeah. There's no it's not like there's one table or and we have to like we're fighting over this one tile for our city. There's usually 
many, there's usually at least seven or eight to choose from. Mm-hmm. And then you can buy whichever one you can afford. And there's always, it's always refreshed. There's always like at least eight tiles. So it's not as intense, but yeah, that it's not a two player game only, but it works. It works with three. I think we played it with three at least. Yep. We did. Which works. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, also works equally well, equally well with two. Yeah. It's, it's a good one. I, it's again, it's a little bit more set up than the games that we've been talking about up to this point. Mm. Takes a little more time to set up and a little bit more space. And it's probably not as portable a game because it takes up more space. Yeah. Uh, if you are, it, if you are new to board games, I would, out of one out of five, as far as weight, like how long it takes to play, how mm. complicated the rules are, I would give it a 2.75. Oh, I was going to give it a three. Yeah. Uh, not quite a three. Okay. So that's why. Yeah. Not hard, but I mean, if you're new to this, some of this stuff could be tricky to figure out for the first time. Mm-hmm. If you've played, ever heard of any of the games we've ever talked about, uh, it's automatic like two. You can figure yeah. this out. Yeah. Nice. Nice. All right. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go Caper. You like this game. I do like Caper. Caper is, this is a two-player only game. And this is a, I guess it's a card drafting game. Because on Mm -hmm. each of your turns, you will have a hand, on your turn, you'll have a hand of cards. You basically pick one. And then you take the remaining cards and give them to your opponent. And you switch hands. Right. And I do like... It like Sushi Go is like mm. that. Uh, Seven, Seven Wonders. Wonders is like that. I love. Yeah, card that. drafting games are usually like. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a hand of cards. Your turn, you pick one, and then you get a, f- a new hand from someone, and then you pick another one. Now, yeah. Caper is cool because the theming of this game is you are putting together a crew to like conduct a heist in various locations. Like we have the European one, so like we just played it in Paris. So there's like three different locations and there's like the first round is like, was it the people where like the, all the cards in the first round to choose from our characters, are people like, you mm-hmm. know, is it the femme fatale? Is it the chef? Is it the, yeah, they're mm-hmm. whatever. So you choose characters and you can put them in certain locations. And then the second round is gear, getting them gear. It's like you get them spy glasses, so you get them a grappling hook, you get them a lock picking have kit. something to help them steal the art or jewels. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like depending on where you play the characters and the gear at a location that helps you get things like you get tokens that represent the art you stole. Or you know, if you match certain cards with certain gear, it gets you points at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I like the the theming is what kind of drew me to it. And then learning it was a uh, Easy kind of two-player game. It was like no-brainer. So mm. it was lots of fun. But mm. yeah, I mean, yeah, again, wait. I'd give it a three if you're new to some of these games. But again, the directions are really short. Yeah. So like, and you know what? YouTube is an amazing resource. There are so many good YouTube channels of people that, that like- walk you through that it. All they do yep. is explain and show you how to play a game. Mm-hmm. Like there is some, there's one guy I watch, his name is Rod, he calls it Rado Runs Through. And it's basically him just with a camera. Actually, it's a little bit more elaborate now. But it was just him with like, at first it was his phone, just a camera, set up a game for himself and the kind of ghost player who's his wife. And he like plays the game and talks out every one of the turns and the rules. I feel like he has very, a lot of fire. Like he just talks a lot and he's always got so much energy. 
Um, but it's very, it was very raw in production value because just him with a camera. There's another great one called Watch It Played. And mm. that guy, Rodney. I think you've showed me some. Yeah, his, his is way more at a slow, like he doesn't really play the game with you or show you the game being played. He just lays out the rules and setup. And that's, a real, and his, you know, he has a lot of edits. You know, it's very, very visually appealing to someone who is like, I have no idea what this is. And it walks you through it uh, really, really well. Yeah. So you're going to find, if you have any trouble, sometimes I'm just like, I don't want to read this. I'll just go to YouTube yeah. and watch it. And it's. Well, great. and sometimes it's just like some people are more visual learners. So yeah. you want to be walked through the steps rather than yeah. reading a book, kind of laying it out. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> botanic. Oh, nice. I was thinking about that. Didn't really make my list, love, but I like it. I really love that game. Um, it's hard for me to think about explaining how to play it, though. So, so what's you, the do the theme first? Like, what what's the? So the theme is like steampunk meets botanical garden. Yeah. Did I nail it? That's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. So there are these pieces of like piping where. Um, flowers and succulents and different plants grow out of them. Yeah. And you're collecting these tiles and then attaching them to the the parts of this metal piece yeah. um that you're growing. Like well, you have a starting it sometimes tile. Sometimes looks like a machine. Yeah. It sometimes looks like, you know, just like rando piping. And it's so cute. It's pretty quick. It's quick to learn. It is quick to play. You know, again, kind of like what we were talking about with Baron Park and Splendor is like you don't have nine million options of what you can do on a turn. You're going to <laughs> flip a tile, place a tile, or you're going to pick a tile and place a tile. Like that's, you know, that's pretty much it. Some parts trigger other things happening throughout the game and i like that um and what you do does impact your opponent but not necessarily in a negative way like no it just it can be in a positive way yeah in um, a helpful way it it doesn't take away any choice they will have later in the game it just makes it a different choice right like it's never like oh you did this move now you are incapable of doing anything it's like there's yeah. none of that and i still have not figured out like any kind of how you get points like i know we like we <laughs> add up points at the end and i'm like oh right so every single time i go into playing that game i have zero strategy other than this is a pretty flower <laughs> right and i love yeah. that i often last time we played we were also at the pub playing this game outside mm -hmm. and then we got to the end i'm like oh yeah how do we score points I'm like oh that's what we get points for oh the score is five to two <laughs> yeah very little yeah so wait here's the i'll read part of the introduction for this game in the hushed intimacy of her laboratory the eminent researcher beatrix berry has just discovered technology that enables all kinds of edibles to be mechanically generated subtropical plants stellar potatoes on Orion Mandarins, this new technology opens a way to save people, save the people of four harms, prisoners of a world contaminated by rust and toxic vapors. Wow. So you're like con conducting this contraption that can help them grow flowers and food. You're basically growing 
hydroponic flowers and food, but in old metal pipes. Yeah. Which, like, I don't remember, like, maybe I read this the first time when I opened this up a few months ago, but then forgot, because I'm just like, oh, let's build pretty pipe mazes. Pretty pipe mazes. So, huh. That's yeah, a- I do love it. It's cute. It also, um, <laughs> you know, is another game that won't blow away easily. So, yeah. if you're in a park, or next to the lake, <laughs> or um, at some random picnic table somewhere, and a, w- a gusty wind comes in, it's not like when you're playing... Wingspan. Wingspan. Or Seven Wonders. Or Splendor, honestly. those yeah, Splendor's got a lot of cards. Cards have blown all over the place before and made us really crazy. <laughs> so many times, you're like, let's play this game outside. Made one of us really crazy. Like, I just think uh, it's funny. Because it's like, not ha- like I don't want this game to be unplayable because we lose three cards. Because we lose all the cards. Uh, I would hate that so In much. In the lake. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Good okay. choice. Um, okay, I'm going to go next. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll save this other one for later. Cartographers. I knew that that was going to make your list. <clears throat> Why? I mean, come on. It's you're making a map. You're mapping civilization. You're being uh, a cartographer. I'm going to say civilization. You make it it sounds like you're giving it a grander scope than it is. It's okay. not quite as large as that. Okay. But basically, you are the you are a cartographer who is um, mapping a realm at the bequest of the queen. At the bequest of the queen. The queen has commissioned you to map out a territory. Mm -hmm. and It is your job. It is your job. And this game, you can literally play with 100 people. It's so cute. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a great two-player game, but you could play. This is a good Thanksgiving game. You could play with as many people, and it's not. there's zero competition. It's not daunting. It's It's not... There's yeah. no resources to run out or anyone's going to be left out. Any choice that anyone can make at the table, anyone else can the choose. The queen was like, all 20 of you are going out <laughs> to map the realm. So basically, you get this little sheet of paper that has a grid on it. And um, through the four seasons of the year, you pull explore cards. And each of the cards will have either one or two shapes, similar to Tetris pieces, and either one or two types of terrain. Like there's forests, mm-hmm. there's villages, there's farms, there's water. Um, so you choose which shape and which type of terrain, and you just draw that on your map. Mm-hmm. And based on whatever season it is, you will get certain points for things. Like if it's, you know, this season, you this card says, oh, you'll get every point for a forest space that touches the edge of your map. You know, and then, you know, this round you get a point for every water space that touches a farm space. Mm-hmm. So, like the and you know all these going into the game; these aren't surprises. So, like if you look at them, you can say, "Oh, this round I know forest spaces are going to get me points." So, if you have a choice between a forest or water, maybe you'll choose the forest because that gets you points. Um, yeah, super easy to kind of play. I mean, this could be you know you can play it. I think family is you know eight, nine or so can yeah. easily play this game, be walked through this game. The artwork is cute. And yeah, I like making maps. It is very cute. And I do recommend having colored pencils because they do not come right. with the game. They come with, you know, they come with four pencils. But again, the video I watched, I saw someone's map. I was like, oh, that's awesome. It's so colorful. I'm getting my colored pencils. To recommend colored pencils. Recommend 10 out of 10. Yeah. I mean, I, this has been part of Matt's board game Blitz, which has been happening unofficially. Uh, around here. Mm. So 
I would say in the last couple of weeks, there have been new board games popping up, small board games, easy to learn board games, mm-hmm. nothing heavy, uh, and really nice for the two of us to learn and play together. Yeah, I feel like summertime is good for these kind of games where, you know, when you're trapped inside in the nine-month winter that we have, (laughs) yeah, then we'll take out Rebellion and we'll play that for two hours and not. But, yeah, if we can be outside and play a game, it's usually light. It's usually quick. Mm -hmm. Um, Doesn't take up a lot of space. So we can play it lots of places. Yeah, and because, like, you have been on this board game blitz, (laughs) and I had – I don't know if I saw this somewhere – maybe Twitter. I'm not sure. Um, and I'm very, very surprised that this board game hasn't come home yet. Oh. Um, it's a board game called, uh, I think it's pronounced Akrotiri. And on that theme, well, what made me think about it again was in cartographers, mm-hmm. there is this mechanic where you, you are basically like, uh, creating or designing around ruins that are mm. there. And Akrotiri is, as far as I know, I've only seen like really short things about it. It's, um, you know, about uncovering ruins or oh, excavating okay. ruins maybe, or unearthing temples. Like, Ooh. so it had, co- it had like the theming of, you know, ruins, archeology, span mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, which you love, which we both love. Yeah. And also like the sacred temple type of oh. stuff that I really love. So I nice. keep expecting that one to show up. And I thought about it again when you were, because of when we were playing cartographers. Well, well geez, there's always. Rot row. This weekend. There's always this weekend. <laughs> um, so the last one on my list is an, is, has been part of this board game blitz that, Matt has had over the past few weeks, mm. um, and it is uh, called Parks. Uh, I knew you were going to say that. And I thought I really, of one because really I really love it. I haven't fallen in love with a board game like this, like at this level of, oh. um, like it was hard for me yesterday when you were like, when I was like, do you want to play a board game? And you were like, let's play cartographers. And I was like, okay, <laughs> because I could just play Scars. Parks over and over and over and over. Um, essentially, you are visiting each of the national parks and you have to go through your hikers go through these little actions to collect resources, to be able to visit another park, to be able to visit the next park. What your piece does throughout the game is you move it down a trail that you set up and every spot on the trail has a, has a resource and has an action and you collect the resources and then you spend them quote unquote visiting parks, which just means getting a park for, a national parks card that's available. And it's so beautiful. Yeah. Artwork is fantastic. And the components are so cute. Mm. And even the wild tokens are wild animals. <laughs> the, the, the wild card tokens. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's really, really great. It's a great, <clears throat> I didn't love it as much with more than two players. Mm, really? It was fine. Well, with, if you play with four, you get an addition in the initial, trail gets one more tile mm. so it's a little bit longer no, I don't no? Think that didn't help. like it yeah no. uh, i agree that it works really well i felt like i had to use my campfire more with <laughs> more than two people <clears throat> campfire which there's a rule it's like only one player can occupy a tile at a time yeah unless you use your campfire which you get one of 
each of the rounds. You so. Put your campfire out. <laughs> it's a whole thing. So it's a really, really cute game. Good for two players. Uh, again, I think, you know, eight to 10 and up, right? I mean, yeah. the choices are pretty simple where it's like you move your place there, you get the mountain resource. And if the, the, the card costs two mountains and three waters. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure you get those. And there's other variations too. Like there's gear to buy, which can help you essentially make things cheaper or bend the rules and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's pretty, it's a really cute game. I like it too. And it's just, you know, it's one playing board games together, playing board games on date night, playing board games when we go out to, you know, the brewery or wherever it's like, look around a restaurant or a public space the next time that you're out and just notice how many people are like either not present because it's very easy to pick up your phone and to just scroll. Yeah. You know, you're sitting at a table, you, (laughs) you live with this person, you work with this person, (laughs) you eat with this person. Like, are we going to slip into talking about work? Are we going to slip into talking about kind of mundane day-to-day stuff? Are we going to, you know, kind of check out and get, into the scrolling on the phones or are we going to, you know, come together and, and play a board game and, and to just enjoy being outside and um, the weather and the atmosphere and, uh, and that kind of stuff is it, it just changes the energy of the environment. So I can't recommend enough finding two player board games that you love and putting them in your car. Well, I got one more to round out this list to make it even. So we each have four. This is our top eight. Okay. The hot eight. Hot eight. Yeah. Uh, I think of something better. No. Um, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. <laughs> what? That was such a left turn. Was it? I mean, sort this of. This game is so complicated and you cannot win it. Yes, you can. Uh, when have we won this game? Just because we can't, we haven't doesn't mean one cannot. Okay. Sure. It's a really hard game. So just go in knowing that you're not going to win and enjoy the ride. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. Here's the game. Get a dossier. (laughs) So basically you take on the role of one of Sherlock Holmes irregulars, right? The Baker Street irregulars. That's like your role. Like one of Sherlock Holmes bitches His Jesus Christ. What? (laughs) One of like the, you know, the ruffians of the London underground that he uses to help collect information. Uh-huh. Like that's who like your role is. So like, and then there are, I think 10 different mysteries in the game. And it's, it's like, basically you are given a scenario. You are read. You can read a situation where like you are going up to this person's house. You and Dr. Watson walk in and notice there's a body lying on the thing on the floor, in the corner, in whatever room. And then the narrative will explain what you see. And then the narrative will explain, it'll give clues that you have to pay attention to. And this isn't time, you know, this isn't like you get to read it once and it's gone forever. Like you read over the story that they give you. And then you are also given a map with a series of numbered locations. Mm -hmm. And then based on that, you can say, you can decide where you want to go and who you want to question. So if you say, I would like to go to the police station to see what the, um, what the Bobby <laughs> who discovered the body found. And you yes. can do that. You can say, I go to this location, it's location number one. And you go to this other paper, you find number one, and then you read 
it's like a choose your own adventure scenario. So then it reads an interaction and then you kind of get the information to help solve the mystery. Another cool part that it comes with, it, it comes with probably at least one for every of the mysteries, like a fake newspaper that has like random stories about London and mm-hmm. whatever day. And the really cool part is that if you're on mission eight, they may reference the newspaper from mission two. Like it builds on itself. Yeah. Um, the, the way you either win or lose is, is if you decide you have gone to enough places, gotten enough information, and then you can like say, I would like to try to solve it. And then you can say, um, that has several questions. It's like, number one is like, who is the culprit or who is the whatever, you know, uh, when did it happen? Sort of, I mean, all these questions are unique to the, that mystery. So it'll have four of them, which if you, you don't look at them until you have feel like you've gathered enough information. So then you could be like, you know, one of them was well, a question was like, who was the guy that arrived before this person at the party? We're like, what? I, hadn't, I didn't pay attention to that at all. Anyone else in the group catch that? I'm like, no. And then the trick is you, you're not allowed to go back and relook it up. Once right. you decide to answer the questions. Um, so then there's questions to answer. And then you win by A, answering the questions correctly. You mm-hmm. get points for that. Mm-hmm. And you also get points for making fewer stops at different places. Right. Like if you solve this by only visiting five locations or six, you know, instead of visiting 10, then you get a certain amount of points and that's how you win. And you're essentially playing against Sherlock Holmes. Yes. So. Right. Like you're working yeah. for him, trying to solve the mystery. And um, if he gets it before you, you lose. Right. If he got it, if he got this <laughs> in seven stops and it took you 12. Yeah. You don't win or get as many points. But it's really fun. It's so- really fun. It's really great theming. Yeah. It's, uh, it definitely feels like you're in a mystery that's unfolding and, you know. Yeah. It's just done really, really well. It's really fun. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's another one of those that... Oh, I love that because I got that game for you. I know. I love that game. I surprised you with that game. You did. Very much so. I was very shocked because I had heard about it, read about it, and couldn't find it, I think. And then I think it was a birthday present. Then I found it. Yeah. Um, Well, there's many different like expansions. We still have the original one that we haven't finished. There's like at least three, maybe four other ones too. Holy bananas. I know works it's really good with two people i think you can go as high as three or four but after that it turns into like then there's usually people that are leading the investigation while Um, it's hard to get a word in and you know stuff like that it was fun with four but yeah i like those kind of games when it's just the two of us yeah because we can you know fully participate instead of having to let other people play too (laughs) true facts yeah hey so check out the Instagram or the website. Yeah, and go play board games together. Games it's fun and what and they sweet. look like, and check out your friendly no- local board game store. I mean, if you have to do it from Amazon, even Target now has lots of games. Ugh. Yeah. Well, if you gotta, you gotta. But check you gotta, out you gotta check out your local game store first. Yes. All right. This is Matt. This is Jeannie. Thanks, everyone. Bye.